From Edge Radio 99.3 FM, this is an edit of The Dice Men Cometh, the podcast. The Dice Men Cometh! Oh my goodness, it's that time of year. Well, it's that time of the week when you're in the uh, Edge Radio studios with The Dice Men Cometh, but it's also that time of the year when... So many squillions and squillions and squillions and billions and gajillions of games get released because it's Gen Con. Apparently the biggest four days in gaming in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Absolutely. 60,000 people last year and they hope to better that this year. And I'm looking at the list of games that are going to be released. It's so massive. And in fact, Mm. that is what is going to consume us for the whole show this evening. We're going to talk about just a few more than a handful of the big games that are being released at Gen Con this weekend, chaps. Yeah, I hope you've all done your research, because I know I did. Pages I've, and I've, pages and pages. Pages and pages? Oh, Oh, I've got two. I've, I've, got, I've, got, pages and pages? I've got five board game names well that, done. that I'm interested in. Excellent. Well, uh, anyway, we should... Have you heard there's Connect 4 2? Is it Legacy? Yeah. Ooh. Is that Connect 8? No. Not so like they, no, that's an expansion. They, okay. they stick in the bottom and you can't get them back out? No. See, the interesting thing is after every game, you get rid of one of the little round things. Oh. So each of you... <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I'm not even going to try and fluff my way through Fair that. enough. Well, it is... You just fluff yourself. You'll be fine. Episode, Someone's got to. <laughs> episode 271. And it is the first day of this August month mm. in 2019. As I said, we're going to talk about so much Gen Con. You're here with the full Dice Men team tonight. You've got myself, Mark. You've got Garth. You've got Leon. Who? What more do you want? And on that note, I think we uh, might take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about Gen Con. I'm not surprised we're having a break. You can't take Garth and Leon and Mark. Mm. This is Alice James. You're listening to The Dice Man Cometh, the only thing you should be listening to. Oh, there you go. That was a very gentle ending to Low Talk with Caveat Emptor here on The Dice Man Cometh at Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Now, of course... Caveat emptor, meaning buyer beware, and if there's ever a motto for board games, that probably isn't it, but, you know. You Not can, at Gen Con. No, you just. you got to buy all the things. <laughs> haven't you been to Gen Con, Mark? Uh, Agath, unfortunately I haven't. When, when did you go? Leon? I went in uh, 2021, I think. Oh, okay. And actually we were just saying in the car, Garth, how was LFG that you've never been to? <laughs> anyway. I think we've gone off air. Well, yeah. look, we are back, all three of us, for the first time in a while, and Gen Con. It's all happening. Or for us, yes. Gen Con. Yes, that's <laughs> right. And tonight we're going to just go around the table. We've got a few selected games each that we're excited about, interested in, curious to find out more. We're going to talk about those Maybe a few that we're not so interested in. Yeah, we'll a bit see, of everything. We'll just see how it goes, really. I mean, what I love about board gaming is you've got events like this where, what were you saying, 60,000 people. And about 200-odd stalls of yeah. people showing their games. So this is, you know, not to bring religion into it, but it's kind of like the mecca of board gaming as far as North America is concerned. Yeah. And 
I'm so happy that more and more and more Australians are going. And, you know, I think it's pretty fair to say that anyone who has been to board gaming conventions and made a few friends on, you know, the socials has probably had their socials absolutely destroyed by Gen Con post after mm-hmm. Gen Con post after Gen Con post. And the same thing will happen as Essen in a couple of months' time. So when we went to PAX, I think it was th- like three years ago now, there was a debate we were a part of, which was, has the board game bubble burst? Has it hit its absolute peak? Yep. That was three years ago. Yes. And the answer then was probably not. Yes. And the answer now is definitely not. Because <laughs> well, just every year gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I think the ro- the rise of RPGs has definitely helped that as well, the bleed over from that. Mm. But, um, yeah, definitely hasn't hurt. Well, the other thing I think is the change from, you know, it used to be everyone wanted to release their game at Essen. And now it's really only probably the, the European studios concentrating on Essen releases. And even a lot of them have Gen Con releases. And, of course, North America, Australia, Canada other countries, there are so many releases for Gen Con. I mean, Gen Con seems to be the place to release your game. Yeah. Or at least announce it. It's also a bit weird. I mean, I think it's fair to say that during the course of this show, our research will have come from the wonderful BGG Gen Con thread, Mm -hmm. which lists every game, or if not every game, very close to every game that is getting that Gen Con announcement. Which was over 600. Correct. (laughs) I looked through every one of them. Mm. And there are lots of games that have been out for a fair old while, including, well, let's just say, Kenner, Winner, Wingspan? Mm. Really? Yes. It's on there as a Gen Con release. Well, that's weird. And there's also... Maybe it's like a mass release type thing or the biggest wave they've brought out. Who knows? So, look, it's very jealous of people who get to go there. Maybe they're releasing their um, clip-on for the Bird Tree Dice Tower Garth. As As long as I'm getting my 10% royalties, (laughs) they can release it whenever they want to. I think another reason why so many people go now and we see the increased numbers every year is that it used to be, only a few years ago, it was very much the, you're a Euro guy, you're a kind of an Ameritrash kind of guy. I think very much in the last two years at least, that's bled over so much more that now it's just... We're pretty much board gamers. There are people that are hardcore Euro people that will play. I've heard this game is good and it's happened to have minis in it and the opposite as well. Well, that's exactly right. Minis used to be, oh, we'll just refer to Leon for that. Leon, our minis. And he'll say, minis are good. Yeah. And we'll go, any gameplay? And he'll go, minis. (laughs) But it's not that way anymore. I don't recall this, but sure. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Maybe you weren't here when I had this conversation. Okay, sure. But you're right. Games now have a lot of plastic and a lot of gameplay and a lot of strategy or a lot of tactical play, so they aren't just minis. I think people got over their kind of fear of the other kind of gaming and people realised, you know, American-style gamers realised these Euro games have really good mechanics and Euro-style gamers went, yes, these other games are very overproduced and pretty, but some of them have a bit of substance behind them as well. Yeah, and you do have to credit the... Simons, or I, I did hear in a yeah. video that now they want to be called Come On. Which I not completely C-mon. agree with. Yeah, Do they not change that every other week, it seems like? Know. Are they the new um, 50, uh, not 50 Cent, are they the new, what's his name? P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, oh, okay, and all his yes, other names. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you've got the, the Come Ons and the Awakened Realms where they are really developing those hydrids where you've got sort of deep strategy, but amazing miniatures, lots of gameplay. New games coming out so often, 
we're seeing a lot of different things happening in our hobby and it's a very exciting time. Sure is. I'm so glad we've got people on the ground there who are able to go and tell us how exciting it is while we sit here in cold, dark and not so miserable Hobart. And we have to restrain ourselves from saying to them, oh, could you just pick up a copy of that? Because we don't (laughs) want to be those guys because we will get these things Eventually, it just might oh, take, I'm happy to be one of those guys. A bit of time. So, um, for anyone who's over there, could you no, pick no, up at no. least... No, oh. no, 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 no. Oh. So, well, I, I was going to say, before we start, I am very excited. On Saturday morning, I'll be up nice and early. I am chatting at 8.30am Australian time with David Harding from Grail Games. On the floor at Gen Con, it will be... Friday about 5pm, I think, so we'll be right in the thick of it and we'll have that interview on the show next week. I'm looking forward to that. Dave is such a lovely guy. And he's Mm -hmm. so funny. Not to mention that Grail Games is going to be trying to sell as many copies of Boomerang and Stevenson's Rocket there as possible. Yes. So I wish him and Grail Games Mm. the best of luck and uh, I'm really looking forward to getting Stevenson's Rocket because train game... Come on. <laughs> and Bo- Boomerang looks quite cool as well because, you know, it's got an Australian theme to it, which we always appreciate. Crikey. Yeah. So how about yeah. we start talking about some games? Okay. C- can I go first? I've Leon, got paper. you should go first. Okay, so we've each picked four or five games that we will kind of want to highlight out of the, the dozens that we will also quickly mention at the end of this. Uh, the first one I want to mention is a game called Sinister Sticks. Oh. you that- say that three times as fast as possible? Uh, I will say it once more, Sinister Six, and then move on, because we don't have time. <laughs> uh, it is by Spin Master Games, the same people that did Santorini, Five Minute Dungeon, Hanabi, and very importantly, Hail Hydra. So this, Hail game, Hydra. this game is kind of a spiritual successor, and it's designed by the two guys that designed Sagrada, mm. which is quite interesting, oh, wow. I think. For, I mean, it's a three- to six-player game that plays in about 30 minutes. What you will do is there will be ten of Spider-Man's most sinister villains which have come together to form the Sinister Six. What? Yeah, it's always going to be weird with the Sinister Six. Sometimes it's not six, sometimes it's five or more. It's, it's Sinister confused. Five of Six. But saying Sinister Six is fun. So anyway, to form the ultimate team for a series of heists, contribute your evil service to pull off heist or betray the others by snatching loot ahead of schedule. Make sure you're prepared for a massive final heist because if you get captured by Spider-Man and his crew, in the last round, it's an instant loss for you. No! So the way it'll work is you're going to play action cards to fulfil the needed skills in a heist. You'll get rewarded by filling earlier spots to be able to snag better loot, or you can play things like black market cards to snatch the loot before anybody else. Plan your attacks carefully and don't trust your teammates to have your back because they will grab loot quicker than you and if they will throw you in front of that spider, any chance that they can get. Ah, when Look, I'm going to jump in. Mm. This is not one of the ones on my list. This was announced just today because Fantasy Flight Games have their in-flight report. It's their big media event at Gen Con and it happened on Wednesday US time, which is Thursday our time. Yep. They announced... A few expansions and things like that, but the big hidden secret thing that no one knew about yes. they announced was Marvel Champions, the card game, which is a Marvel-licensed Fantasy Flight LCG living card game, just like the Arkham Horror LCG, yes. just like Lord of the Rings. Um, it's co-op. How exciting is that? Well, just the fact that, I mean, the Marvel... Sorry, the Arkham LCG is brilliant. There is lots of it, and it's very, very good. And, you know, slap Marvel characters onto yeah. that, which are always good. Well, you've always wanted to play Batman. 
Yes, I've always wanted. Thank you, Garth. I've always wanted to play Batman. <laughs> oh, you, what? You do a disservice to, to nerd kind everywhere. Oh, but either okay. way, um, oh, is that yes. more Nickelodeon? Uh, yes, very much so. Okay. So the Fantasy Flight thing looks very cool, and as does Sinister Six. I'm a big fan of Hail Hydra, mm. and I think this will most likely sit right next to it on my shelf in the collection. Nice. Now, Garth. Yes. Look. What do you got for us? <sighs> there are more like 700 potential games that are going to be released at this particular Gen Con, which is redonkulous. But that's amazing. Yeah. So, look, I'm going to start with the one that I actually know something about. Yep. And I'm only mentioning it because it's on the list and I'm really excited about it. Mm. And it's On Mars by Vital Lacerda mm. with art by Ian O'Toole. Oh, they're working together. That's something interesting. I know. It's good. <laughs> so, Vital is, look, he's a designer of some note. Clearly, we're big fans, have played a lot of his games. Some of them are fun, some of them are work, some of them are starters work and then become fun, but I'm really excited for On Mars, where you're playing rival Mars, Mars explorers trying to terraform Mars, <laughs> maybe. Interesting. Um, I just think after Escape Plan, which we've not talked on the show about yet, yep. two of us have played it, Mark, mm-hmm. get you to the table, I think... I'm looking forward to a return to form for Vital. Okay. And just the visuals alone are very, very exciting for me. So On Mars is my, if we're going from five to one, that would be my fifth most anticipated game for Gen Con 2019. And I must say, until you just mentioned it, I didn't actually know anything about this game and I'm quite interested. But um, to give a quick spoiler on one you're going to talk about in a minute, the list you did send us earlier today about the games you're going to talk about um, I actually did think that this was Imperial Settlers Empires of the North on Mars. <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought you were taking said piss just because everything has to be on Mars or with Vikings these days, and I didn't realise that it was actually a completely different game. Yeah, there you go. go. I think I'm waiting on... No, maybe only one Vitalis sort of game, but maybe I just got Escape Plan. I feel like I'm waiting on another one, but uh, anyway, it'll be exciting. Whenever <laughs> okay, well, one that I... don't know if I'm excited, but I'm... Super interested to use that word again to to see because I have heard a little bit about it on some other podcasts. Some European people have had a chance to have a look at this because there are German copies running around, and that is the Taverns im Tiefenthal, which yeah, okay. in English is the tavern in the deep valley. Um, two to four players takes about sixty minutes, and as a course, it's by Wolfgang Vosch. Ah, Wolfgang. It's all about building and running a German bar. Now, as Aussies, of course, we all have the dream of running a pub. Imagine if it was in Germany. Uh, they do do some belting. Especially pubs, eh? at this time of year, maybe in the next six to eight weeks, maybe even two months with Oktoberfest coming up. Oh, yes. Oh, I'll be licensed to print money. So you, in this game, you, you customise and upgrade your bar with cards that give your bar extra abilities, more tables, different types of um, servants, not servants, waiters and waitresses, specialist cooks, all sorts of patrons, um, not patrons, um, abilities of your bar. And then you have, there's dice drafting, where the dice drafting is basically the people who come into your pub and sit at those tables or use those facilities. Your patrons. Um, It's very much described as having multiple modules, so you can... Mix it up, change it around as much as you like. It's also been described as a cross between the highly successful Quacks of Quedlingburg with the, but instead of the chits, it's the card system. But then also combine that with the Gunshot and Clever dice drafting 
and you've got two Wolfgang Vosch hits rolled into one. Um, there's lots of simultaneous play, which is why it plays so quickly, only 60 minutes. Uh, North Star Games is bringing out the English version. As I said, a lot of people in Europe talking about how much fun they're having with this. Um, the English version out in quarter four, and people have been saying, and this is high praise, that it could be Wolfgang's best game yet. Wow, that's stiff competition. Because mm. he did the, the mind as well, didn't you? Which you guys were big fans of. Anyway, <laughs> I want to play... Like, I'm not going to say devil's advocate, but I'm going to say I'm going to play Leon in this. Mm. Ooh. So, Leon, correct me if I'm wrong. Hello. Is that you like games when they know what they are. Yeah. And when they release something else, they just add more stuff to it. Yeah. Stuff is good. Now, Quacks of Quedlingburg, yeah. cracker of a game. Yeah. Uh-huh. Gunshot Clever, rolling some dice... Clever, clever game. Like, interesting game. Yeah, Yahtzee Advanced, some quick ro- dice-rolling fun. I'm not convinced that adding the two is going to double my fun. Mm. No. Now, the joy I have of Quacks of Quedlingburg is that you're going to play for what, 45 an hour, something like that. Yeah. You're going to have your bag drafting as weird stuff comes out of your bag and it's going to be fun and you go, oh, and then you go, hey, and you go, woo, and you go, oh. Mm-hmm. But then it's done and it's over and, you know, you can move on. Yeah. And with Gunshot Clever, you're going, what do I, do I want that dice? Do I want this one? Oh, I've got to tick that box. I'm not sure the combination of those things are going to equal more fun okay. than playing the two of them separately. Yeah. So I'm very curious and I would happily play this game and I very, let me start my sentence again, came very close to trying to source this game because it does sound particularly interesting. I yep. like the fact that it's replacing bag building with cards where you're f- basically creating yep. your own deck and you're revealing the ones top you know, top of the deck blind. But I'm not sure. So you can be excited about this okay. one. I'm going to sit on the fence if that's okay, okay with you. You enjoy yourself on the fence. Now, I'm going to quickly... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to quickly put the next two I have on my list here into one. Uh, one of them is... Obs- Sounds like Quacks of Quedlingburg and... Uh, yeah, kind of. uh, one of them is called Obscurio, which is a two-to-eight player game which plays in about 40 minutes, which has been touted from what I've heard as kind of the next version of Mysterium. It's not by the same people, mm-hmm. but it is very, very similar, except you're, like, you're escaping from like a sorcerer's library or something like that, and there's, but there's a traitor as well, mm-hmm. so it's kind of very similar. Speaking of, the designer of Mysterium also has a new game coming out, which is called Detective Club. And in Detective Club, it is kind of a party-like game where you will be using uh, two cards to trying to get people to guess a specific thing. Yeah. But again, there is a traitor. So the way people describe this was, imagine Dixit with a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of what Detective Club is. And again, it's from the designer of yeah. Mysterium, who does a very good party game. That's exactly. for damn sure. Yeah. Actually, hang on. Dixit with a traitor, that's that bed game. When oh, I, when, when, when I, I dream. dream. Yeah. Oh, that's a builder of a game. <laughs> See, the thing is, I'm really curious about Obscurio because, yeah, it's it's almost Mysterium, mm. but there is a trader. But the other thing that adds a little bit of interest is that you've got these little arrow chits so that you're playing the card, which is, again, beautiful yeah, original art, mm-hmm. which will be all weird and dreamlike. Yeah. But you can then use this arrow chit to go, I want you to focus on this particular part of the card. Yes. So that you're not just looking at a person's face behind an elephant in a spaceship with a bucket of water pouring in the background yeah. and then... And it's all some, green. And yeah, and, like, you can go on that card, I want you to focus on the chopsticks that are hidden away in the background. Yeah. yeah. And that, it'll be 
very interesting to see how that plays out on the table, I think, because it's limiting the scope of imagination, I yeah. guess. Well, you're kind of, but it doesn't mean... You're really you... just min-maxing each card, surely. Yeah, but uh, from a player standpoint, yeah. But also, remember, the one thing with Mysterium, although it is very entertaining, kind of, when you are the ghost and you put out a card that's like, I just need people to realise that this card is red. That's yeah. all I need them to realise. And then they speak about five minutes about everything except the blade fact <laughs> that it's red. Uh, it can drive you insane when you're sitting there not saying a word, but it's kind of half the fun. Okay. So and I'm not expecting this to replace Mysterium because... I'm not getting rid of Mysterium anytime soon for my collection, but I'm hoping that it accompanies it. And as far as Detective Club goes, have you not just broken the first rule of Detective Club because you've talked about Detective Club? Uh, it's not out yet, so it doesn't count. Or is that just Fight Club? It's hard to say. I bought Fight Club 2 yesterday. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because that needed to happen. Yeah, well, let's, let's talk about some more games before we run out of time, and I know it's still early days, but yes. no doubt we will. Here's a guy... He's put out a few games. They're a bit gorgeous looking. We're talking about Ryan Lockett, Lockett, mm-hmm. old lolcat. Yeah, <laughs> um, and his company Red Raven Games. He's got Sleeping Gods. It actually releases on Kickstarter in five days' time. They're expecting it to be a 2020 release, but the Kickstarter will happen pretty much by the time you listen to this. And let me quote from the publisher. In Sleeping Gods, you and a friend become Captain Sophie Odessa and her crew lost in a strange world in 1929 on your steamship, the Manticore. You must work together to survive exploring exotic islands, meeting new characters and seeking out the totems of the gods so you can return home. They say Sleeping Gods is a campaign game. Sleeping Gods is an atlas game, and Sleeping Gods is a storybook game. So for me, this one very much sounds like an evolution, the next iteration of Above and Below, and then Near and Far, and now Sleeping Gods. And Both games I own quite happily. I was going to say, it it looks absolutely gorgeous. It's got a very, very thick atlas where every page is a map and there's so much you can do, but then also a very thick storybook with all the paragraphs and everything. I... I don't know, because I find we talked earlier about it, Garth, how much we loved at BorderCon a couple of years ago when we first played Above and Below, and it was really like, <gasps> wow. But I think since then, Well, then we played Isle Bound a little while ago. Well, God, two years ago, three yeah. years ago, and went, mm-hmm. So but, I think the old yeah. Lolcat, you know, he's due a hit for me. Well, story games have come a long way since yeah. then. And Even I, things like a Stuffed Fables, which used his idea of that book and then, you know, with a more co-op with a family type thing and just kind of smashed that out of the Funny park. you should say that. I'll talk more about that later. But, yeah, yeah I'm, so I'm intrigued, but then I'm, I'm still wondering, is he still a little bit behind the times? I don't know. Now... His campaign's... Make the dollars on Kickstarter. They so do. We'll, he'll, he'll be okay, I think. It, it's going to launch any day. Now, Garth, before we come back to you... I think it's time to have a little quick break. We'll catch our breath. We'll come back with more BorderCon goodness on The Dice Man Cometh with Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Hi, my name's Jenna. You're listening to The Dice Man Cometh, yearly attendees of BorderCon, the nicest guys from Tassie. 
Okie dokie, that was Ezra Furman, or Furman, if you will, with Driving Down to LA on Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Men Cometh Garthy Boys. I was going to say, is, is Furman, is he like one of the Sinister Six? Uh, no, but I believe he is the cousin of Spider-Man. And he's probably oh. driving down to LA to turn left and then go to Indy. Yeah, uh, Annapolis. All right, my turn. So I am going to go and talk about magic because this is all an illusion. And uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, a board game of English magic, which also features art by Ian O'Toole. And I'm not being biased because I didn't actually realise the artwork was by Ian O'Toole until I went on to BJG and saw that he's <laughs> oh, wow. attached. So I looked at this and, and it's essentially... Magic's disappeared and you're going to try and find it and you're travelling out throughout Europe and you're taking on the role of an aspiring magician and you're trying to do a whole bunch of things. And that sounds, okay, fine. Then I looked at the designers and saw that it was Marco uh, Maggi, like the noodle, and Francesco (laughs) Nepotello. Like the hazelnut spread. Correct. (laughs) Now, do either of those names ring a bell to you, Leon, or to you, Mark? Very vaguely, but I can't think why. Uh, Even more vaguely, I'm just thinking of hazelnut two-minute noodles. (laughs) (laughs) So they were designers of War of the Ring. Ah. And I went, okay, Hmm. War of the Ring was a pretty amazing game. Uh, I'm curious about this. So Inno Tool, love the work. Osprey Games, really enjoy a lot of the games that they Mm -hmm. produce. Mixed up with two... Really, I guess designers have, have been able to create some bloody good games and War of the Ring would be the standout for those. So this is a two-to-four player game. It's not just a, a 1v1. I'm really interested to see how it plays out. Having then looked at the art and seen what Ian's been able to do has just got me more excited because you're playing over this board of Western Europe and you've got your little player boards and what have you, but... Um, it sort of reminds me of, to some extent, a bit of the work he did on Lisboa from, you know, the, the portraits and the profile yeah. side of things. But I'm trying to find this picture to show Mark, but there's this, this really nice view of almost like a map of Western Europe, but instead of the English Channel and, the, I guess, what is it, the Atlantic Ocean there being water, it's made up of a whole bunch of crow's heads that are Ooh. formed in together, almost like an MC Escher style work and it just looks really really beautiful wow. so um <laughs> i want to have a go of this so if someone wants to send it to me i'll play it straight away <laughs> yes but that is one of the games that i'm actually really excited to um to see how it goes okay hmm. interesting uh but garth sadly the stakes have been raised oh imagine living in a place so wretched that is not plagued by one nor two nor three monsters but seven of the most horrifying fiends of all time. Seven? And Not that, six? And that, no, seven in this one. And that is Horrified, which is a one-to-five player game that takes about an hour. It is by the designers of Disney's Villainous, Ooh. which none of us have played, but no. I do very much want to because I think the idea is quite cool. But in Horrified, which includes high-quality sculpted miniatures, by the way. Well, I damn well hope it does. But what you're fighting against in this cooperative game is you're fighting against Frankenstein's monster, the bride of Frankenstein's monster, the Wolfman, Dracula, the Mummy, the Invisible Man, and the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Ah, All the classics. The tropes. For the old Universal Monsters and whatnot. So like I said, it's a cooperative game where you're in it together trying to rid these monsters of of the town, and you can play with uh, different 
combinations of them, and you've got to do different kind of game styles to eradicate them from the game. And then as you get rid of one, then the other ones will become slightly different as well. So it just seems very cool, and the fact that all those you know monster tropes are in it, I thought was quite interesting. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the ones that I have been really looking forward to this title or titles ever since I interviewed Matt Dunstan, the famed Aussie designer living in the UK. Matt Dunstan. Oh, no, that's Matt Damon. (laughs) Yes. No, I'm not. I don't think he's designed a board game yet, has he? Oh, yeah, he designed... Oh, he um, designed On Mars? No. No. Terraforming Mars? No. No, Elysium. Yeah, that one. (laughs) That was was also Matt Dunstan, in fact. Um, But, yes, Matt Dunstan has combined... With the wonder child of Australian board game design, Phil Walker-Harding, this is an Aussie dream team of board game design. It's the Cosmos Adventure Games series. So obviously Cosmos had the Exit Games by Inca and Marcus Brand, and they have been massive. I think we've all loved those games. A couple of them coming out again at Gen Con. Yeah, well, this is the Cosmos Adventure Games series. So you explore places... You combine items and you experience stories in these co-op games where players are presented with a mysterious story they must unravel over the course of play. Now, unlike the cooperative exit games, titles in this series focus on the telling and discovery of story with no time pressure. However... Many different paths can be experienced during play, which means you can play the game more than once because there's more than one way to, I don't know if you would call it weird, but uncover the story. Now, each game has three chapters in it. They say about 75 to 90 minutes per chapter. Nothing is destroyed in these games. As I said, you can play them multiple times. You can stop at any time and sort of save them. Now, at the moment, so there are two uh, being demoed, I believe, in Gen Con, English releases. So these have been out in German a little while again. So you've got Monochrome Inc., where the story is you are breaking into a a mysterious research facility to find out what are they researching and why. And then the second one is called The Dungeon, where here's something you've probably never come across before. You wake up in a medieval jail cell and you don't know why you're there. Yes, uh, that's not the start of half the fantasy games I've ever played at all. <laughs> that's right. And Come then, on, normally you're sitting in a bar. Then there's a th- that's the other half. <laughs> <laughs> there's a third one um, that has been out in German that they haven't mentioned yet, but I'm sure will come, which is the Volcanic Island, where you are, I believe, a group of teens on said island. Uh, se- sexy teens, yes? Probably. Most likely. Or if it's like... If you're German teens, you'll at least have socks with your thongs. I was going to say, if it's it's like the new Netflix series Another Time, it'll be whiny teens. Ah, funsies. Um, So think Exit Game, but with more narrative. Or the other thing it's been compared to is a lighter time stories with a bit more puzzly nature. And you don't have to replay it. But you can play it over again and actually the story changes. Interesting. As I said, you can save your progress. A further comparison is this is point and click the board game. Okay. Which sounds fascinating. Lovely, Garthy boy. Oh, you still going. Sorry, <laughs> there's one more thing. There's an app. It has narration. Ooh. How many of these story games did we have we said mm. it'd be really good if you had some professional geezer reading the story to you instead of Mark? Yeah. Well, if they need anybody to <laughs> 
provide any voiceovers for future games. Yes, we can do that. Well, uh, they have the app in German, so I'm sure they're going to bring that up. Yeah. So that is the Cosmos... Ickensbrecken Deutsch. (laughs) Adventure Games series. Thank you, Garth. Dankeschön. Lovely. Uh, so I'm going to go all uh, Cold Warry on you peeps oh. mm. uh, and talk about a two-player game where one player plays the administration and the other player plays the press. Wow, this sounds or riveting. Or the fake news, depending on your attitude. Mm. <laughs> Don't know if that's relevant in today's climate. But anyway, I am, of course, talking about The Waterest of Gates in Watergate mm. um, by Matthias Kramer and published by Frosted games and lots of other people so this talks about offering the twilight struggle experience in 30 to 60 minutes a lot of games have said that lately a lot of games have said this has there have any delivered though but this has the similar boring generic theme to do it oh my god (laughs) does it ever the the cards that you get they're all just black and white photos of people (laughs) staring out into distance and doing things. Pointing to the ground sometimes. So I'm actually really excited about this because Twilight Struggle is still an amazing game and I will happily play it as long as I know I'm going to play it Mm. and I can prepare for four or five hours of playing it. Whereas if I can get the enjoyment in a much more condensed time of frame and have someone come over and go... Let's just play this. We've got half an hour to an hour. Yeah. I will sit down and play that over and over and over and over again. Well, we, we really enjoyed that. Was it 13 the, the minutes? Missile crisis? Yeah. yeah, that was really Similar great. Similar sort of it, feel. It was the same sort of thing, slightly different, but of course it's going to be. So, look, I figure it's only fair that I bring in the expert of opinion of the only person in the room who was around during Watergate. <sighs> so, Mark, are you... We find that man has made... Yep. For other purposes and having to be very clever about it. Um, this is due to come out at the end of September. They've actually got it for pre-release on their website now, Plaid Hat. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a quick look. It's I think it's 85 US, but then because they ship with USPS, it's, it was almost like the shipping was more than the game. But hopefully, of course, our local providers will have it shortly. But a fascinating little story... It looks absolutely gorgeous, as, of course, all of their games do. And I think this one may certainly take off where the Gen 7 and even to some degree Comanauts, I don't know, I don't feel like they've smashed into the market like Stuff Fables No, I certainly don't feel. I mean, Gen 7 went, wow, this is really interesting. And then obviously a couple of key reviewers came out and went, we can't finish this game. And it was also a good really four, not a game. Four years too late? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Comanauts haven't heard anything about it. Still really keen and I had a copy in my hand in Sydney a couple of weeks ago, but went, well, when am I going to play this one? Yeah. Um, so anyway, look, time is, is of the very much essence. So look, I'm going to talk about The King's Dilemma, which is possibly the game that I am maybe almost the most excited about potentially. Uh Um, So, look, it's a three-to-five-player game that is essentially a legacy narrative game, and it's probably the only narrative game that I'm actually excited about and definitely the only legacy game I'm interested in, potentially apart from Machikoro Mm. Legacy, just from a serious point. Um, So, look, this is a, um, a game where you are all up to five players, completely competitive. There is no cooperative nature of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an interactive narrative experience with legacy elements featuring several branching storylines. The number I heard 
was that there could be potentially up to a million different combinations here. Whoa. Of branching storylines. And that is obviously the fact that you'll open up a card or an envelope or something and within that envelope will be half a dozen cards, but you'll only get to choose one. And then that'll lead you to another thing, would lead you to one of the multitudes of cards and so on and so on and so on. Yeah. So that's where they extrapolate this out. I hope it's an engaging story because when you describe it and it, it talks about, you know, you're part of the king's inner circle, it sounds a bit generic, but I, I do get... They're probably not wanting to give any spoilers at all. Well, what that's the story it, might is that the nature of a legacy game is that you can't give information away. Yeah. So you're part of a kingdom, you want to keep the kingdom going, but of course you're all rival families and rival houses who are self-interested. So I'm curious to see how this develops because, again, a really interactive storyline is possibly one of the things from the legacy games that has been a bit hit and miss for me. I mean, yeah. pandemic, yeah, we were okay with it. Seafall, not even bothering. The one that we're most interested in so far is Betrayal Legacy, probably with Daylight Second. Well, we have actually been interested in this. I mean, I know yeah. from your Charterstone. You guys have been played Charterstone, yeah. But is it is it the story that's most engaging for you, or is it the actual gameplay? No, with that one, it's more it's more the gameplay. Yeah. Right. So I think from a narrative point of view, we're talking about Betrayal Legacy being the most interesting and actually one that the three of us in this room plus the two other people playing are keen to get to the table over yeah. and over again. Yep. Whereas we had Leon and someone else walk out <laughs> mid-pandemic legacy yes. going, I'm not having any fun. I don't recall it being like that, but sure. <laughs> right. It, yeah, I was going to say, it's time for a super quick break. Yep. And we're going to move on with our last round of lots of Gen Con games. We'll be back shortly. Hello everyone, your friendly neighbourhood Leon here. Just a quick break in the action to remind you all on how the fun ways you can support the show. You can jump on over to Patreon where you can donate, which has helped us over the last five years, get to great conventions all around Australia and hopefully internationally. You can give as much or as little as you like. Personally, I would ask, maybe just give us a dollar. I give to about 12 different podcasts a dollar a month. I don't even notice that it's gone, but trust me, they know that it's in there, and if everyone listening to my voice right now gave us that dollar, we would be much, much appreciative. Also, you could jump onto Redbubble and type in Dice Men Cometh and get any kind of merch there that you're after. You can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get mugs, you can get stickers, any type of size, colours, anything you want. We've been doing them for years, and they are absolute quality. Also, you could go over to iTunes and chuck us a cheeky five-star review. It doesn't seem like much, but it is the reason how we get our podcast out there to international listeners especially, because those charts put us ahead of things like Google searches and things like that, and it is also very, very helpful. And just follow us all on the social medias. You've got your Facebooks, you've got your Instagrams, you've got your Twitters, you've got all that kind of stuff. Every single bit of it, we put different content on it, so it's not just the same stuff recycled over and over again. And if you want to get in touch with us for any reason whatsoever, you can get in touch with us on those socials or at DiceMenCometh at gmail.com. We've had many, many sponsors over the years, so if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities for the show or anything to that nature, that's where you can get a hold of us. Now, back to the action. This is a way of life. No, this is a system. It's... Taboo, which is sort of how you say table in Japanese, apparently, sort of. Doesn't sound like you've said it very often no. at all. So this is, I was going to say Simon, this is come on and explored. They're teaming up to bring players the next evolution in board gaming where it's a gaming console 
read table that seemingly integrates physical and digital worlds, keeping players focused on the board and its components, while the system takes care of rules, enemies' behaviour and storytelling. It has groundbreaking technology with sensors where your figures are. They have some little chippy thing in the bottom as you move them around. And this information is transmitted to the game. So you basically have the table with the digital stuff in it. Then the it's bo- not a table, it's another board, isn't it? So no, 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 it's a... You have to buy a table. Well... No, you have, surely you have to buy a I think board. it's more like, let's call it a table topper. Then. Let's call it a table topper that the board sits on and then the figures have their chip technology, the dice are wireless dice, and then the computer or tablet you're using is running the Game Master app where you make your move and then the Game Master tells you what happens next. Now, you can also have companion apps for each of the players. Now, at the moment... This is only for Zombie Side Evolution Las Vegas. So that's the game that they're using to demo this technology at Gen Con. Um, and you can try it there right now in the Come On booth. Um, but surely there's going to be more. Now, the only thing I find is you think about the Microsoft Surface when it came out and everyone talked about, oh, who needs board games because it's all just going to be in the table. And that never happened. No. And this seems like potentially a lot of money that you might only be able, be able to play a very small number of games. Yeah, I've, I've got a PlayStation and a Switch. I don't know if I need this. Well, um, <laughs> See, I like the idea of not cocking up rules, yeah. not yeah. making mistakes, but if it's... Look, it all comes down to cost. Absolutely. And Zombicide is really not that complicated, so if that's your centrepiece game... Yeah. Mm, well, look, look, I think... Come on, have a big stable of games. They sure well. do, and they all are dudes on a map. Yeah. And they move and you roll dice and things happen. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense for the Cool Mini or Not franchise or company and their, their, their games. But it got a bit of a hit or miss response from the comments I read. Yep. And, and I certainly read a fair few of them. So, we'll see. Garthy boy. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about two things. One is one you did mention quickly, Leon, which yep. was the Imperial Settlers Empires of the North see on Mars or yep. whatever it was. Yep. Um, so this is the next iteration of Imperial Settlers, a game of which I am a big, big, big fan of, mm-hmm. the only exception being the roll and write, which I have absolutely no interest in. So this is, again, next version. There are six factions that are going to come within this game. The board's slightly different. The mechanics are slightly different, but I want to play this game. Very quickly, another thing that's not a new game but is an expansion is the new map for K2, Lotsy. Ah. Lotsy, Lots, a very scary big mountain, comes with double-sided board technology, introduces a new couple of tiles, which are ropes, so you can connect two otherwise not connected spaces to create your own rope thing. So I think that's going to be cool, (laughs) and I will buy it. Leon. Uh, Right, I've just got a quick list of things to read out that people want to look at because we don't have all that much time. Uh, Dragon Scales, Foodies, Boomerang, Mystery House, Grindhouse, Master of Respect, Deranged, Ishtar, The Voyage of Marco Polo 2. I know. Museum, Subterra 2. <laughs> Parks, Unmatched, Terror Below. And then there is a Metal Gear Solid board game, Ooh. which I will be all over because I think that's going to Kickstarter. There is a Tomb Raider Legends board game. There is a Nino Kuni 2 board game. There is a Die Hard board game. There is a It, as in the clown one, board game. There is a Borderlands Tiny Tina Robot Tea Party game course there is a batman game which is based off talisman which apparently is coming out okay and there is also a new legendary based off james bond i know and i can't believe that that wasn't on either of your two lists because it 
Trent still existed as far as we care, yeah. it would be on his. I'll, so you get to play, I think, one of four or five movies. It's all the that. golden ones. It's the Golden Gun, Golden Eye, Casino Royale is here in there as well, but yeah. And then a few just little expansions. Uh, Spyfall Time Travel. It's not an expansion, but a new Ooh. version. Um, Bang the Dice Game, a game that I love. is I got an expansion called Undead and Alive. King of Tokyo is getting a new monster with Cybertooth. Tio Tawakta Hukuhaha is getting a modular expansion. Uh, there's three new deck spake, space games. They're the tiny yep. escape room in a box. And Geek Out, a game that nobody will play with me anymore because I'm all that kind of geek, is getting an 80s and 90s expansion. Wow. So all the things for you to look at on BGG. Anything else, Mark? No, I, I just want to. Oh. I just really want to mention Black Angel. Yes. I'm very excited about this. It is a... Uh, I mean, it's the coolest name ever. Is it ever? So, look, essentially, humanity's stuffed. We're all... Uh, <laughs> yes. It's the Black Angel is an intergalactic frigate that is transporting the genetic heritage, the DNA of humanity across to another planet that you can uh, sort of hopefully then reinvigorate a species. Again, art by Eno Tool. It is designed by the same people as Twa. Ah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Is again across the board, been getting very positive reviews. I've got more, but we need to stop. So that was okay. about 30 games, and there is another 600 you can look at. If wow. You well, there you go. Now, of course, we won't be at Gen Con, yeah. but as I mentioned, David Harding from Grail Games will be, and I'll have an interview with him on next week's show from the floor of Gen Con. So he'll be able to tell us. Of course, all about what Grail Games is doing there, but all these other great games that are there. If you're at Gen Con and you happen to be listening to this, it means you've already come back, so never mind. Um, but anyway. But there's Stella, there's Rodney, there's Good Games, there's uh, David Harding, there are a few other people whose names escape me. There are a lot of Australians who are going to be there. There's QC. Yes. She's just arrived there as well. So this yep. is big. Big Australian Australia. presence, yep. Bye. Maybe next year. Goodbye. I, we, I have to go. Well, we'll be back with our Gen Con wrap-up and uh, David Harding next week. But until then, we'll be envious saying goodbye. Bye. Bye. Toodles. This has been an edit of The Dice Men Cometh from Edge Radio 99.3 FM, Hobart's independent youth station. Find us on Facebook and edgeradio.org.au.